Well, here we are. <laughs> you're, uh, you're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice. We're here with A Reasonable Christianity, with Pastor Samuel Chisichetti and myself, Alida Robinson, and we've been discussing um, the question of whether or not there is a God. We established that there is a God, then we went and had a look at the various gods that um, are uh, worshipped, if you like, by other by other religions, and we came down to the three Abrahamic 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 religions. Yes, yes. So that's Islam, uh, Judaism, and Christianity. And then we've established that um, the God of Christianity um, is the God that is the God that. Um, in the person of Jesus that came to uh, to the earth to uh, to redeem us, and we're now going to be looking really at who Jesus was, because all those three religions um, acknowledge that Jesus was a person, that Jesus walked on the earth, that Jesus was um, some sort of prophet. Um, some liked him others <laughs> better than others, but. Um, we believe as Christians, uh, Christianity believes that Jesus was in fact the creator of the universe, God incarnate living on earth, and that he came to redeem us. So anything I've missed in that summary, Samuel, I'm sure that you can add to. Um, but you know, we're really looking at the person of Jesus, the personhood of Jesus, who he is, and, uh, and what he claimed to be, and then what our response to that needs to be as we move forward. Yeah, uh, thanks, Alida, for uh, uh, the you know, quick summary there. I think, uh, as you've noticed, well, we always uh, try to establish what has um, happened over 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 time has been that uh, you know when it comes to questions of religions and belief, uh, you know, you know, you find a number of claims that people make, whether those people be atheists or Christians or any other religion, but most of those claims. The people who make them don't expect those claims to be assessed rationally. At least the atheist expect. Uh, the atheist does uh, seem to pose an intellectual, reasonable, philosophical challenge to the, the the believers, and so. And then the atheist seems to claim that the belief, uh, a, you know, in God is irrational in some ways. And so, and as I, I've said over and over again. That uh, the religious belie- uh, religious believer had accepted uh, the you know, tacitly accepted the proposition that you don't have to think out your you don't have to reason it out you don't have to think too much about it just believe that's it and so when we do these um, answering the questions we want to establish the steps of thinking that can lead somebody to a reasonable conclusion at least as far as thinking clearly is concerned that this. What the Christian believe is what is true. Remember, the quest of every religion, if anything, uh, the claim of every religion is to claim the truth. Yes. And so, whether you go, you know, you go with whether the Buddhist or the Hindu, uh, you know, everybody claims that there is truth there to be known. Mm-hmm. Uh, monistic religions say that we are where we are. We messed up as human beings because we don't know the truth. We've believed in the lie of individualism. All is one. And so the more we we walk away from our ignorance, that has led us to the conclusion that we are individual to realize that Atman is Brahman, 
that's Hinduism. Atman is Brahman. Then that's how we get saved. So this is why, you know, when hey, Namaste means I am in you, you and me, uh, we are all one. One, we are all in this oneness. So they're called monistic religions. And that's the truth, Claire. Uh, whether you look at, uh, you know, Islam, Islam would say that, you know, there's no other God but Allah and, and Muhammad is his prophet. And so anyone who doesn't believe in Allah, uh, is absolutely in falsehood. And, and so if you look at uh, Judaism, Judaism posits that there's the creator of the universe, the God of Abraham, and that's the God the, their allegiance is to. And any, any other, you know, claim of any, uh, any other deity is of, of course false because there is only one uh, creator and if you read Isaiah you know from 41, 42, 43, 44, 45 Isaiah continues to make the case that all the other gods of all the surrounding nations of Israel were not God because only Yahweh, Hashem it said uh, you, know, you know Adonai is God and so the religious believer must, therefore, you know, take the time to assess these claims based on their truthiness. Is this claim true? And Christianity, therefore, posits that, yes, there is God, the God who made the heaven and the earth, and that God showed up in the person of Jesus. And so he became man, it's called the incarnation, he became a man, and he, he became a man for a purpose, for a reason, from coming to die, so that he'd pay the debts that men owed, that men couldn't pay, but only God could pay. But God was man, was not man. Therefore, the God-man, only the God-man could pay the debt. And so, when you look at across the myriad of religious beliefs, and we're talking about the question of, does, does God exist? What trips most people is when they, even when you presented, you know, we did the cosmological argument to families. Uh, the, no, the family of cosmological, we had two arguments in there. We did the moral argument. We did the, uh, the uh, teleological argument. We did the, um, that's the design argument. We did the ontological argument. And so we did all these arguments here. That leads us to the conclusion overwhelmingly by the weight of evidence that, of course, God exists. Okay, and then somebody's going to go, well, but hang on a minute, which one of those gods, right? Yeah. What is it, Hindu, Buddhist, or Christianity, Islam? And so that's where we were at. And we've looked at, you know, the monistic religions don't posit a, a, an immaterial personal god. Not at all. If anything, Buddhism and Hinduism, concept of god is as though God was just simply the same as the material universe. Yeah. So that's where you get the monistic religion. The, the, the concept of Brahman is that everything, all is God. All is God. Right. And so that is not the God, the greatest conceivable being, uh, you know, the, the, the most holy, you know, the necessary being created. His creation is whole and separate from him. It reflects him, but it is not him. Yeah. And so already there, the God we've defined is not the God of Hinduism and Buddhism. No. So that one is out. Yeah. And so we, we'd left with a, a Christianity, a Judaism, and of course we'd removed the, the animistic religions of Africa because, you know, it's just cut a piece of tree and just draw some yeah. eyes on it. Yeah. You know, I'm from there and I know exactly how, like how this goes. Yeah. And, and then start bow to it and feed it some fufu and think that's, no, that's not. Okay, with the God we, we, we were talking about 
is the uncaused cause of everything. Mm. And so if it's necessary, it's uncaused. The piece of tree that an artist cut somewhere in the wood is not uncaused, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is caused by the person who cut it. And so then we started to look at if Judaism and Islam and Christianity have the same concept of God definitionally. Yeah. The difference is who is the person of Jesus. That's where the difference comes. Well, it, Christianity is the only religion that actually has a Messiah. There, there isn't a, a Messiah in Islam or no, this all, is the, in, in Judaism. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. The entire yes. concept of Messiah yeah, that's right. is a Jewish concept. It is a Jewish concept. And yes. then, actually, the Quran uh, calls Jesus Messiah. Okay. Yeah. So the Quran does call Jesus Messiah. So the accepting Jesus was a Messiah is no problem to the Muslim, and accepting that he was a prophet is no problem to the Muslim. Uh, but you know, I, I will assess the, the the way Islam looks at at at, uh, at uh, Jesus uh, in a moment. But it's the way Judaism look at Christianity we were looking at right now because at least with Judaism we've got the same text. And and so going from the Old Testament and to the words of Jesus in the New Testament and the reaction of the Jews who knew what he was talking about is what we were assessing when we started out last week. So we are assessing did actually Jesus and his disciples claim that he was the creator God who had then showed up here in human form in the flesh. So once we've dealt with Judaism and Christianity and established the difference, then then we can establish what's the difference between Islam and Christianity in that sense. And so we can come to then assess, was Jesus right? I mean, it's okay for somebody to claim he was God, but how do we know he was? And that becomes, you know, our quest, therefore. But let, let's, let's quickly then, uh, uh, so pick up where we left off. For those who were with us last Sunday, we started to pick up some text. Yep. And so we started out with John chapter 5, verse 17. Um, uh, we, we, no, we also did John chapter 8, verse 58. You know, I, I told you the, the, the story of, uh, you know, the, in, the kind of indirect claim. Uh, no, no, it's actually that's from the text we started with. Let me give you the text we started with. Uh, that uh, might give us a bit more. Yeah, 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 that's where we started. That's where we started. And so I was saying that, you know, our people react to what has been said especially the people to whom the message is being communicated, mm. tells you what they understood from the person who was communicating it. And so we assessed the you know, John 5, 18 and John 8, 58. And as assessing John uh, 8, 58, you know, before Abraham uh, was, I am, and uh, the Jews uh, get, get upset and they picked up stones to throw, throw at him. And because they knew exactly that when Jesus said, I am, yeah, ego emi in Greek, uh, or, you know, the way it is said in, in Hebrew, when he told, you know, God said to Moses, you know, when, when, I get, when the children of Israel ask me, Who's, who sent me? And he says, God tell me, I am sent me. Mm. All right? And so, for them, I am, then was the, the great I am. So, you know, often, by Jesus claiming to say, I am, he was actually claiming to be the creator God of the Hebrew Bible. Uh, okay. And so, which, which comes from, you know, Exodus chapter four, uh, 3, verse 14 there. 
Uh, you know, there's a, a, a scholar who's actually looked at this. When you read, it's, it's already right. The Septuagint, the main Greek translation of the Old Testament, current in the first century, translated Exodus 3, verse 14. I am the one who is ego eimi ho hon. And the readers of John's Gospel who were versed in the Septuagint might easily have noticed a parallel to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. That's why they reacted like that. Yeah. And so if you read Isaiah 41, for example, verse 4, I, the Lord, am the first and the last. Mm. I am he. Uh, Isaiah 43, verse 10, My servant who I, who I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Isaiah 55, uh, 45, verse 18, I am the Lord and there is no one else. Yeah. Isaiah 46, verse 4, even your, uh, to your old age, I will be the same. So you've got this I am, which basically runs throughout the Greek translation of the Septuagint. And all these passages are translated with ego emi. So when he says to them, ego emi, they'd read, they'd read Isaiah, they'd read Exodus. They knew, pardon me, they knew exactly what he was talking about. And therefore... They took those stones to try and kill him. Mm. Right? So, here's another clear. Uh, 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 shall we? Um, I'm just going to give you a text that everybody can just pick up and read, read and then I'm going to analyze it once we get back. Yes. All right. So, that's good. You're going to give that text now? John 10, verse 30. Mm-hmm. I and the Father are one. Just, that, that's text day. We're going to analyze it in a few seconds. Yeah. All right. Well, when we come back from listening to Sandy Patty, because of who you are, we will uh, talk about that a little more. You spoke the words and all the worlds came into order. You waved your hands and planets filled the empty sky. the garden and though they fell they found compassion in your eyes oh Lord I stand amazed at the wonder of your deeds and yet a greater wonder brings me to Virgin and promise grew as he revealed. 
his crucifixion. And in the dark, you tore the grave and death apart. Oh Lord, I stand amazed at the wonder of your deeds. And yet a greater wonder brings me to the extraordinary voice of Sandy Patty and uh, what I love uh, Ray does such a great job uh, the, the songs that uh, come into our segment are always really relevant um, and really really a great focus on the, the subject we're talking about so Samuel we're yes. talking about the claims of Jesus yes and uh, and the people's response to who he said he was yes um, and and how the Pharisees and the people of the day um, Treated him because yeah. of the words that he said about himself. Yeah. So the, because they understood his claim, let's read that, that text that just, I was giving before we we took the quick uh, quick break there. Uh, John chapter ten verse thirty. If you have found it, let's actually you know we we said at the reasonable Christianity never read a verse a Bible verse. Uh, we don't mean don't read your Bible. We just mean read it in, in a context. context. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, we we picked this up from stand to reason. Those guys are amazing. Now, so. Let's let's read from verse 22 so we can sort of see. Then came the feast of dedication at the temple. It was winter and G- Jesus was in the temple area walking in Solomon's colonnade. The, uh, the, the Jews gathered around him saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, if you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you. But you don't believe me. Mm. I've already said this. Mm. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me. But you don't believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. That's actually only the things that only God can do. Yeah. No human being gave anybody eternal life. No. It's like I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who has sent 
them, uh, who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hands. And I and the and my father are one. I and the father are one. Did you notice he said, no one can snatch them out of my hand. Mm. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Yeah. That is an equivalent statement. Yeah. Then he goes on to say, because the father and I are one. Mm. When you read it from today, you're like, yeah, you don't really get the sense. I mean, I can say my wife and I are one. But it doesn't mean we're the same person. Mm. So, okay, well, so you can see your confusion there. But the person, the people he's talking to have got a certain definition of what they mean by that oneness. Okay, let's start, I start the, the response. Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which one of these do you stone me? Mm. Is their answer. We are not stoning you for any of these miracles. It's not the miracles we're stoning you for, replied the Jews. But for blasphemy, mm. it tells you there was no many definitions. There was one definition of blasphemy. It is when someone assumes to be God, equal with God, or says they are God, it's blasphemous. Why? Because in Jewish context, as we've defined, God is high, God, man is low, God is far from creation, not far from creation, is different from creation, is necessary, is uncaused, creation is cause, God's necessary creation is contingent. For someone to step up and say, I am God, it must be out of their mind. Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, but claims like this from Jesus, I mean, if any other human being says, I am God, you could dismiss them as a madman, but not from Jesus. The kind of miracle it does compels you to check for sure. I mean, no one could be doing these kind of things that he did. And so you're not going to take his claim seriously. So that's why. Well, they asked him, didn't they? They asked him, tell us definitively, yes. are you the Messiah? And he says, yeah, I am. And then yes. they want to stone him. So exactly. they didn't really want to know that answer, did they? No. no. <laughs> so, and this is what they said to him. We, they replied to him, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Mm. So they knew he was claiming to be God. Yeah. And he had not basically chewed on his word. He just said it in a way they would understand it. Mm. And so now, uh, and, and th there you go. So he's like, hang on a minute. Don't get too offended now. E even, even your text says, you know, you know I said you're gods, but you're, you're, you're dying like me, man. And, and so and there goes an entire interaction. But you can see, when you read the Gospel of John, they said to him, you are a mere man, and yet you claim to be God. And it's God with uh, the big capital G. G. Hmm. Now, turn with me to Mark chapter 2, verse 5. Um, Jesus had, had had, you know, a, a paralytic man, people, somebody who was bedridden, brought to him. And um, so uh, Jesus looked at the, at the people who had brought the man and said to the man, hey, your sins are forgiven. Pick up your bed and walk. Mm. 
And so, listen to how the Jews respond. Verse 6 and 7. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their heart. Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Mm. It's like you finding me standing there somewhere around the corner and there's somebody who's been found you know, guilty of committing a crime and I just call them by the side and tell them, hey, look, I've, been, I've given you clemency. You, you, your, your crime will count. No, you're going to go, who are you? Are you the judge or are you, what powers do you have? Because there are only particular people who are invested with such powers. Yes. And so the Jews knew the power to forgive sin was only invested in God because he's the chief moral lawgiver and every sin is committed against him. Mm. So no human beings had the right to forgive anybody's sin. And Jesus just said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Mm. Because they were all right. So he is here claiming to be God. Let's just keep moving very quickly there. Uh, so you can see John chapter 8, verse 24 and 28. Therefore I say to you, Jesus said, that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am, if you don't believe that I'm God, the creator of the universe, you will die in your sins. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. Remember we read earlier on in Isaiah, I am He, I am He. And here is Jesus again saying, then you will know that I am He. I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And so, the He is inferred by the translator. It is not in the Greek text. Again, John uses the phrase ego, ego emi, which is the divine name for God. Mm. I can go on and on. You can see that we've established enough here that the Jews understand through these claims, indirectly as he said it, and that's why they wanted to stone him. That's actually the reason why they killed him. Jesus accepted worship. And I can guarantee you that the first, actually the second commandment, um, you know, in the Jewish law is this shall not be to you the God of others. Mm. You see, I've said it the way it's said in, in Hebrews. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the you know, Christian uh, reading in the Bible is, this, um, you, shall you shall have, have no, no other God before me. Before me. It's mm. not the correct reading. According to this, I'll not be to you the God of others. So other people might choose to have all these sort of small, gods. tiny yeah, but not you. gods. But you, to you, I am the God. There's no other God. Yeah. And so and then it says, you shall not make an image, uh, you know, of things in heaven or on earth. You shall not bow and worship it. No one as a Jew could worship nothing else. Other than God. Other than God. But here is Jesus accepting worship. The biggest one is I'm just going to pull one 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 text that everybody would know in the book of John when Jesus shows up after the disciples had seen him and one of the disciples Thomas the doubter mm. had said unless I put my finger in his side and see his hands and put my finger I'm not believing mm. when he showed up and said to Thomas okay well you didn't believe the witness of your friends now come here, put your finger in my hand, put your uh, hand in my and side. Thomas bows and says, O Theosmu, O Kurios My God and my Lord. 
Now, you see I've said it in Greek. The word theos or hothios was the translation in the Septuagint of, you know, I don't you know. Every time you found Yahweh, the tetragram in the ancient Hebrews, they never they never pronounced it. No. So they will say either Hashem, which is mean the name, or some places they'll say Adonai. Okay. So where it was the tetragram where they said Hashem, the Septuagint translators wrote Hothios. Okay. So every time you find Hothios in the New Testament, it's a reference to the name of God, the wow. tetragram. Yep. And they translated Adonai, the Lord, with a capital L, as Kurios. Okay? So if you a Jew was reading the Old Testament and said Adonai, there was no question which Lord they were talking about. There's only one Adonai. That's it. Yep. And if they said Hashem, they, they say the name. Everybody knows who they were talking about. So, in that sense, when Thomas, a Jew, bows down and says, Hotheosmu, Adonai, yeah. or Hashem, Hashem, and my Lord, Adonai. Mm -hmm. So, he said, Hashem and Adonai. If you took what he said in that text and put it back into Hebrews, he would have said, Yahweh, my Lord. Mm. Okay? Yeah. So, he says, Hokuriosmu, Hotheosmu or Kuriosmu. And so that tells you, and he bows and worships him. Jesus doesn't say, hey, look, don't worship me, worship God alone. Because Jesus is a Jew, right? Remember when Daniel was faced with an angel and Daniel wanted to worship the angel, the angel said, hey, don't do it. Yeah. I'm a companion like you. You know, the worship is only reserved to Adonai. Mm. And so here is Jesus accepting the worship from Thomas. Mm. And so you can see here again that the, you know a Jew accepting worship from another Jew. <laughs> no Jew was going to worship another human being, but this Jewish man is just attempted to worship another man, and that other man has just accepted it. Yeah. Now because he accepted worship as God. And I give you tons and tons of texts for that. So I'm establishing the case that Jesus claimed to be God. Yeah. So I'll give you a few more, there's plenty. But yeah, so um, when, when, I want to take one one more in a bit. Um, the way Jesus spoke in the place of God using a first person. We're doing that straight mm. after the break. We're going to listen to Newsboys and uh, Where You Belong and Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus.
to 105.1 Life FM Bendigo's Positive Choice and this is A Reasonable Christianity and Samuel we've just established that Jesus is claimed God. to be God. Yes. claimed to be God indeed, and that indeed, others indeed. that when when Thomas for instance as you were saying before the break um, worshipped him and uh, and knelt before him and uh, said my Lord and my God yes. um, he was that Jesus accepted that worship which was only supposed to be yes. for God yes and that's, that's what you find in John chapter 20 verse 28 uh, you know Jesus interaction with Thomas now I was, I was you know gonna say uh, let's look at the way Jesus speaks as though it was God speaking you see if you read in the Old Testament most prophets used to say that says the Lord no, no, no prophet said, verily, verily, I said to you. He says, here's what the Lord says. They said this, you have this, that says the Lord 500 times in the Old Testament. And so, but when you come to Jesus on, in the Sermon on the Mount, and this is how Jesus says it. Truly, truly, I say to you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, 27 to 28. Um, it, it, it's no wonder when Jesus finishes the Sermon on the Mount, You've heard it was said, but I say. Yes. You've heard it was. This is the Torah is talking about. Mm. You've heard it was written in the Torah, this, but I am saying this. As though he'd given himself the authority to reinterpret the Torah, to say things that not only expanded the Torah beyond what the, the regular Jew was used to, and in some places, he added more to what was said to the, into the Torah. Yeah, I was just going to say that's why they were so amazed when he was teaching in the temple. They yeah. just couldn't understand how he was was so authoritative, but also yes. the knowledge that he had and the, the the presence he had when he was talking from the word. Yeah. Mm. So when, when you read Matthew seven, uh, verse twenty eight, twenty nine, when Jesus had finished speaking, Scripture goes on to say to us that people who were listening were amazed at his words. Mm. 
and his teachings because he was teaching them as one with the authority, not as the scribes. Because mm. the scribes say, look, this is what the Torah says. This is, and they could interpret what the Torah says. But none of them would say, the Torah says that, but I say this. Mm. No, you don't talk like that. Because only God was the authority to the Jews. God was the only authority who had given the Torah. And so, you know, and, and he spoke as though whosoever rejected him had rejected uh, the Father. He's, Jesus said, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has one who judges him. The word I have spoken mm. is what will judge him at the last days. John 12. Verse 48. Yeah. Think about that. Like, everybody knew only God was the final judge. Right? Mm. He's just told them, if you don't believe my words, these words in the last day, which were known by the Jews in the last day, only Hashem comes to judge. Yeah. He's like, no, my word will judge you. Mm. What? My, your word has become God now? And that's exactly, these are the very sort of direct claims as he speaks in in the place of God. So Jesus believed that every human being's eternal destiny would rest on, his, on, the, on the answers to his word. Mm. And so you, you have here, uh, you know, a, a sort of self-understanding that is undeniable that the Jews had heard that over and over again, like, nah, this man is too dangerous. He's blaspheming too much. We have to crucify him. And, and I've already, you know, then done the... You know, the explanation about the use of the word kurios and the word otheos. And there's a lot a lot to say about that. So, in a way, you've got all this, the indirect claim and the Jesus speaking in first person. But let's look at sort of a few of the direct claims very quickly. I'm just going to do uh, this very quickly. The Old Testament predicted that the Messiah would be God. I was going to say this earlier, and I'm like, no, nah, there's going to be a time to say it. Yep. Sometimes when people hear Messiah, they're like, well, it just could have been the title of any savior. Yeah. You know, the Messiah could have been the king. David was called the Messiah. You know, but when Jesus say, I am the Messiah, they ask him, tell us, when he was walk, walking in the colonnade, tell us, are you the Messiah? Or, you know, stop playing around. Well, even John asked that question, or should we be waiting for another? Yes. Mm. And so the Old Testament predicted that the Messiah would be God himself. So mm. there was the Messiah title that would be given to the king. But when it was talking about the prophetic messianic prophecies, they knew that the Messiah would come, who would be from the shoot of David, would be God himself. Uh, see, here is, here is uh, just to read. Isaiah writes, For a child will be born to us, and, and a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Eternal Father and Prince of Peace. Mm. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Yeah. He, they're not describing a human being. They're not going to call it. A Jew is not going to call a human being a mighty God. So the Messiah they're expecting unto us, a child is, will, will be born, and unto us a son will be given. Isaiah is using closely the language. He believed that, that there would be a person who would be born, and yet he would be called mighty God. All right, and this is the title that is used for God Himself in Isaiah chapter ten, verse twenty-one. The same Isaiah uses "Mighty God" as a title for Hashem 
Yahweh himself. Yeah. Likewise, Jeremiah also predicted that the Messiah would be called Yahweh using the tetragram eh, for Jesus. He writes, I will raise up for David a righteous branch and he will reign as king act, and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called. Our translation says, the Lord, our righteousness. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5 and 6. But the Hebrew word there is Hashem. But that's what they were expecting, wasn't it? They were expecting someone that was going to bring them out of bondage, re-establish Israel, uh, save the the whole uh, nation from the Roman, from where they were, uh, and and actually establish an earthly kingdom. And that's not what Jesus was doing when he was here. And so you can understand their confusion, can't you? Because they're expecting one thing and Jesus presents in a particular, in a different way. Yes. So, yeah, there's that whole... Um, understanding of what what the Old Testament was really saying, and and when God came, when Jesus came, um, that He lived His life out quite differently to what they had been interpreting Scripture saying all that time. Yes, but you see, even when the Jews were faced with Jesus, what He did, He always took the text in the Old Testament. Yeah, He'd asked them, "What does the text say, and how did you read it?" Yeah, because He recognized that they didn't read it properly. And once He read it to them, they always realized, "Oh." The reality of the text is that he is claiming what the texts say. Even with his own disciples who were Jews, remember when he dies and rises from the dead, he's walking with his disciples from on the road to Emmaus, and he, uh, you know, when they had lost all hopes, and he started to explain to them that the Messiah had to come. Yeah, he had to live, he had to die, and he had to rise from the dead from the text. Yes. And by the time he's finished explaining, these Jewish people who had been walking with him where his disciples throughout, they realized, oh, it's him. Because they had heard him explain this text over and over to them. But at the time, they could not conceptualize the reality that you know, Jeremiah, Isaiah had prophesied. Here, here's another additional text in Zechariah. Zechariah claims that the Lord himself will return to earth. He writes, then the Lord, then Haronai, will go forth and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. In that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olive. Zechariah 14 verse 3. Of course this passage predicts the return of Jesus, uh, but not the return of the Father. So, uh, you know, Zechariah here, this is one of those prophecies that, that is going all the way past us to the last days. Mm. And you notice that he calls the one who will stand on the Mount of Olive, Hadonai, mm. Hashem, right? And so uh, you, you, you can see here that when Jesus ascended, the angel told the people who were standing on the mountain. Yeah. On the same mountain, the same Jesus says he went, he will return on this mountain the same way. And so you can see the use of the Old, Old Testament. Let me give you the use of the New Testament uh, text uh, from the Old Testament. For example, you pick up Joel chapter 2, verse 32. And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, on the name of Hashem, or the name of Adonai, will be delivered. So that's how the text in the Old Testament reads. 
But here is how, um, you know, Apostle Paul, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, verse, and verse 13, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, Lord, mm. actually Adonai, curious, yeah. yeah. if you confess Jesus is Adonai and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 13, for whoever will call on the name of Adonai will be saved. Yeah. If you confess that Jesus is Adonai, you will be saved. That's the, let's look, look at the way it, it is used. Paul says that this refers to Jesus, who is Kurios, who is Adonai. Romans 10 verse 9 explains that we specifically need to call on the name of Jesus, while Joel himself was saying we ought to call on the name of Hashem, Adonai. Mm. So, you know, there's text after text after text. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 8 and verse 10, which is using Psalm 45, verse 6, and Psalm 102, verse 25. Let, let me read that psalm to you. Verse 6 of Psalm 45 says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. This is David writing. Yeah. And so, your throne, O Theos, O Hashem, um, is, is forever. Here is how the writer of Hebrews uses it. When God introduced his son into the world, this is what is verse 8, but of the son, he says, your throne, O Theos, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. See, it was as though there's this dialogue where the father introduces the son in the world and the father says to the son, your throne, O God, mm. And the father uses the terminology of Theos or Hashem or Yahweh uh, is for lasts forever and ever. And the righteousness of your scepter is a scepter of your kingdom. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 10. So what's the usage? The two verses combine the term Lord, Kurios, and God or Hashem or, or Theos, demonstrating that Christ is distinct from the father and yet fully God. Verse 8 describes the son who is said to be Hothios, and verse 12 refers to the son as Kurios. The author of Hebrews caught Psalm 45 and 46 and Psalm 102, uh, 25. Both of these verses refers to Hashem Hadonai. You can see here that we have on our hands not only Jesus claiming to be God, but the people that he taught, he discipled, believed him. To be God. To be God. All right. Well, after the break, we will wrap this up for today. Uh, this is Hillsong United with Clean. Precious blood has left me forgiven. Pure like the whitest of snow. Powerful to make sin and shame retreat. This covenant is making me. So I
Because of Jesus, my heart is clean. Yeah, I was actually Beautiful. trying to figure out what was the last word there. My heart, my heart is, clean. is clean. That's right. Yes. So yes. we're going to uh, wrap up our chat about um, the claims of Jesus and, and uh, understanding fully that Jesus claimed to be God and that those people that he taught and the people that walked with him every day believed him to be God as well. Yes. And oh, well, obviously, particularly after the resurrection, uh, there were many people that saw him and many people that claimed that, that he was, in fact, God. Mm. So... Um, I'll let you finish that up, Samuel. Yes. So we, we've we've looked at uh, you know you know the the indirect claims. We've looked at the claims from the Old Testament. We've looked at you know the description of the apostles who had had followed Jesus. Uh, uh, you know, I, I did make 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 the case for the use of Kurios, Hadonai, Altheos, Hashem, Yahweh, and and so. Here, read to you a few verses that, that sort of to hammer this this away. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, verse 19. Then Colossians 2, verse 9. Jesus is the image of the invisible. He is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn of all creation. Verse 16. For by him, all things were created. Mm, yeah. See, you remember when we were making our, our case for for the existence of God, we were talking about God being necessary, the uncaused cause of everything, the creator yeah. of all reality, spiritual and physical. All reality was created by God, and Him is necessary, not uncreated. And so is what, what Apostle Paul write to the Colossians. For all things were created by Him, both in heaven, that's invisible reality, and on earth, visible or invisible, I'm just just, just you can see the repetition there. Yep. Where the thrones of dominion, all rulers, authority, all things have been created through him and for him. Mm. He is before all things, and in all things, in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and he is and that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it is, it was the Father's good pleasure. For all the fullness, God's pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him. So in Him dwelt the fullness of the divinity bodily. For in Him all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. 
And so you can see if he's trying to, you know, exegete that text, mm. it is rich. Paul is saying to the Colossian, the uncreated, the, the necessary being, the greatest conceivable being is him. Yes. He's John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Everybody knows this. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was God. And it goes on to say, the word became flesh, dwell among us. We saw his glory, the glory of the only begotten son uh, from the father, full of grace and truth. Uh, okay. And so if you, you go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 8, you know, it says that if this attitude, which was also in Christ, him who existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God, the thing to be grasped, emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant, being made in the likeness of man, being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death. Him who existed in the form of God, him who existed as God, became flesh. John, First John chapter 5, verse 20 and we know that the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. He is and in his Son, Jesus. This is the true God and eternal life. The Son, Jesus, is the true God. Mm. His Titus, just so I could read, read on and on. Titus 2 verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what I've established here today is to say the the fact that Jesus is God or claimed to be God is I'm I'm reading this text not just simply from a standpoint of that these are holy texts I'm reading it as, as a you know historical documents mm. that has these claims and we will assess uh, next week well okay well he claimed the fact that he claimed does mean he is one how do we know that Jesus actually was God why because the divinity of Jesus is what settles the difference between Christianity and all the other religions. It sounds clever these days in our in our society for people to say, "Oh well, all religions are just the same." You know, you know there was this comedian Russell Brand, a British comedian, who claimed recently, yes, that that the clip is being making round around the internet. Mm. Oh yeah, well, all religions teach the same thing. No, they don't. Christianity teaches that the maker of heaven and earth came down, became flesh. And if that is not true, then Christianity is done. Yes. And if that is true, then any other religious belief is false. Yes. All right. Saying that is, 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 is being humble. It's not being, being arrogant. You can't say I'm humble by denying that which Jesus flatly claimed to be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in that sense, if the Christians, when the Christians have lost, the fact that Jesus was the incarnate God, if this is not this is no longer the heart of the gospel, this is where we've lost our ways. Why? Mm. Because whatever we believe and do is a matter of authority. Who said it? Right now, if the law says don't do this, if I try to convince somebody else to break what the law says, we'll say, hang on a minute, the law established by parliament has got authority. If Jesus is God, then what he says has got authority on a matter of sexuality, on a matter of gender, on a matter of what is moral and what is not, on a matter of whether human lives is got worth from birth or not. Yeah. So we have lost our ways as believers. When we have thought that the gospel could just be about how nice people are in our churches or how lovely they feel or how big houses we can be blessed with and whatever else we can get. No, the gospel is has got one claim. Jesus, the creator of heaven and earth, incarnate, the God, incarnate in the person of Jesus, and he came in for a reason.
And if that's what we preach inside our churches, the atheists will not have as much as they have had to say, and so will all the other religions. And that's what the apostles preached. And that is the gospel. That is the gospel. Amen. Well, thank you again, Samuel, for uh, your time today. And uh, we look forward to um, learning more about Jesus and who he um, and all the things that you have been, been saying. Um, we're just going to cross now, uh, seeing our time is finished, and uh, we'll catch up with you all again next week at midday.